So turn with me this morning to Numbers chapter 6. Numbers chapter 6 as we talk about the power of the blessing. How many of you would like to have the supernatural blessing of God over your marriage, your finances, your health, your emotion, and your relationships? The secret is locked up in the supernatural power of the blessing. And today I want to reveal a Bible mystery that's been lost from the Christian church for nearly 2,000 years. It's a mystery that can change your life, change your family, and the destiny of this church. What are you really saying when you say, I bless you in the name of the Lord? I mean, somebody sneezes and we say, bless you. And we've said it so much, it no longer means anything. So what do you mean when you say, I bless you in the name of the Lord? Well, a lot more than you imagine. Numbers chapter 6, verse 22 through 27. And the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face towards you and give you His peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites, and I will bless them. So let me begin this morning by saying very clearly it is God's will to bless you. God has faithfully promised, saying, I will bless them. Not because you deserve it. That's legalism. God does not love you because of what you do. God loves you because of who you are. You're a child of God whose sins have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. You don't earn your healing by crawling on your knees down the aisle of a cathedral to kiss the statue on a toe. Jesus paid for your healing at Calvary, and by His stripes you are healed. So it's not what you do or I do that heals you, it's what Jesus has done. You don't earn your salvation by joining a church. Joining a church won't make you a Christian any more than a bath, a bar of soap, a red ribbon is going to make a pig a poodle. It ain't happening. Church membership won't hurt you, but it won't save you. I'm saying God loves you because you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and His precious blood has washed your sins away. You know, in one sovereign act of grace, God chose to love us and forgive us. His grace has no limit, His love has no measure, and His compassion has no boundary. It's unlimited. His tender mercies are renewed every morning. Where sin did abound, bring it on. Grace did more abound. God's amazing grace has forgiven us and made us His very own. Look at that phrase, I will bless them. Who is it that's chosen to bless you? Well, it's not Bill Gates. It's not Warren Buffett. I read one time when the market was going up on Wall Street, the Wall Street Journal reported Bill Gates was making a million dollars an hour. Bring it on, baby. That's good. That's good. Now, if Bill Gates phoned you on your smartphone just now, and interrupted the service, and told you he'd give you whatever you wanted, most of you would tap dance out of here with hysterical joy. Can't get you to move anything during praise and worship. 
but I'm telling you somebody a lot greater than Bill Gates has written in his word, ask and you shall receive, seek and you will find, knock and it shall be open to you. He is the creator of heaven and earth. He's the king and prince of glory. He's the El Shaddai of the Old Testament. Isaiah said his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Mary called his name Jesus, but you and I are permitted because of the blood of the cross to call him my Savior, my friend, my deliverer, my counselor, my comforter, my shield and my buckler, my high tower, and one who sticks closer than a brother. He's the great I am. He's the great physician. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the first and the last. He's the bread of life. He's the living water, the chief cornerstone. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is the immortal, invisible God, the Lion of Judah, the Lord of glory, the light of the world, and the Lamb of God, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and hallelujah. And the majesty and power of that name is open to all those who are redeemed. You know, names are important. Names kind of define you. The name Einstein can open doors of science. The name of Rockefeller can open the doors of banks. The name of Beethoven opens doors to music halls around the world. But the name of Jesus Christ will open the gates of heaven and shut the gates of hell. And every knee will bow and confess Jesus Christ is Lord. So what is the blessing? The blessing is the impartation of the supernatural power of God into a human life by the spoken word of God's delegated authority. Again, the blessing is the impartation of the supernatural power of God into a human life by the spoken word of God's delegated authority. In a family, God intended that to be the Father. Words have life. They have power. Words spoken under the anointing of the Holy Spirit have the ability to shape families, to shape individuals, and to shape nations. God said to Moses in our text this morning, this is how you are to bless the children of Israel. Say to Aaron and his sons. Why? Because Moses was the spiritual authority. And don't ever forget this. God does nothing without spiritual authority. If you've got no spiritual authority, you are wasting your time. And Aaron, who was the high priest, passed the supernatural blessing of God to all of the nation of Israel by his spoken word. That means, fathers, you're the high priest of your home. You can't read through the Old Testament to see how God inscribed that upon the men of a home in relationship to the children. You represent God to your family. You represent your family to God. And the most powerful thing you can do for your children is to lay your hands on them and speak blessing over them. In that instant, you release the power of God into their lives for protection, for prosperity, for health, for healing, for anointing, and for direction direction for their lives. You can literally shape verbally the destiny as you speak it in Jesus' name. So dads, take charge of your child's life before someone else does. If you don't, someone will. Teachers, gangs, uh, humanists, anybody who has access to your child will have influence on your child. 
So fathers, you're the leader in your home, and God tells you to lead your children. By the way, that's my top priority on earth. And if I succeed at everything I put my hand to and become a a statue of gold, of achievement, and lose my kids, I'm a bigger loser than I am a winner. I couldn't think of anything more devastating to me than to lose my children. Millions of Americans' children are cursed by toxic parents. When your parent says you're dumb, you just crucified your child's ability to learn, and you didn't even know it. When you say you'll never amount to anything, you've cursed your child's financial future. When you look at your child and say, you can't do anything right, you've just murdered that child's self-esteem that no psychiatrist can help that child discover. Bless them, fathers, in the name of the Lord. Send those kids out of your house every morning ready to wrestle Hulk Hogan. You know, in the game of life, don't teach them how to bunt. Teach them how to knock it out of the park, because that's their destiny in Jesus Christ. I've I've been watching the Olympics, and I've been noticing everybody that wins is doing this. Have you noticed that? That's how you want to send them out every morning. We got this one. We got this one. Go, kids. It's going to be a great day. Now, let me give you a brief history of the blessing in the Bible. The first thing God did. The first thing after creating Adam and his wife was to bless them, Genesis 1:28, and God blessed them. He imparted to them the spiritual destiny He intended for them to have. Then God gave them three commandments. Number one, be fruitful, multiply. That simple statement has dual application. It means he wanted this male and female wed together to have children. He wanted to begin a whole population of people to be part of his family. Secondly, it also repudiates killing children. I mean, the abuse of children has become catastrophic. And God says, whoever hurts one of these little ones, it would be better for them to have a millstone of 2,000 pounds tied around your neck and cast into the deepest sea. You don't hurt children. You certainly don't abuse them, and you don't murder them. Secondly, it applies to us secularly. God said, I want you to be fruitful. Jesus in John 15 said, herein is my Father glorified. How? That I don't smoke? That's not what He said. He said that you bear much fruit. I mean, get this program going. You don't have to pray, does God want me to be fruitful, productive? He's absolutely said, be fruitful, multiply. God Almighty spoke that. So if you teach a class, if you run a department in a business, it, what, if you've got your own business, God, you don't have to say, well, I don't know, maybe God doesn't want me to stop that nonsense. You've been watching too much Christian TV, stop it. God said, I want you to be fruitful. And if you're not fruitful, then two things could be wrong. One, you're not doing the right thing, or you don't know how. And number two, you're in the wrong place. You're doing the wrong thing. You need to quit and find something else, because God didn't make you to flop. God made you to win, and God said, be fruitful and multiply. And I want you to start declaring that over your business, your job, your department, your class. If they, it, don't compare yourself to anybody else, but it ought to grow. 
I could, I've declared over you something, and we need to declare it. Multiply. Be fruitful. When something's fruitful, that sucker's blossoming. It's increasing. And so we want to multiply. I don't want to add. I want to multiply. God's a God of multiplication. He said, you shall receive 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. So it's not one for one, it's multiplication. God multiplies our little and makes much out of it. So let's believe the same thing. Start talking. Summit, be fruitful and multiply. There's no limit. Stop that nonsense. Secondly, God said, subdue the earth. That's an expression of spiritual warfare. See, the church of Jesus is not a retirement center. It is not a psychiatric ward where you have to be counsel for the rest of your life. I'm telling you, I never met so many wild and weird people in my life till I became a Christian. And I read the New Testament and I don't see it. And I just think some people think it's codependency. I need you, I need you, I need you, I need you. You'll need somebody for the rest of your life then. God didn't make you to be codependent except with Him. Well, if they leave, I'll just die. Well, where are all the dead bodies? I don't see them. Some girl told me, said, well, if he leaves me, I'll just die. I did, well, you didn't die, and he, he left. Let's go for plan B. I, I see some other options. <laughs> Silly. Subdue. It means in our training manual, the Bible, suit up, show up, stand up, speak up, put on the whole armor of God, fight the good fight of faith, endure hardness as a good soldier, let God arise, let His enemies be scattered. We're in a warfare. Subdue it. When you subdue something, when you subdue an attacker, you have to wrestle with him and take him down. And well, that's what he's talking about. We've got to put some energy into working against the enemy in here. Subdue it. And third, take dominion. Take charge, Jesus Christ, the church of Jesus. Quit whining, shuffling your feet, looking at your toes, moaning about what Satan's doing to you, how he's attacking you. Excuse me. Time out, cowboys. He's supposed to be attacking you. He's doing what he does, but are we doing what we're supposed to do? We have, we have got all this power. Jesus Christ has gone to the cross. He stripped Satan of all of his weapons and power. He's given the church the power to overcome. We have the power of Jesus' name, the power of Jesus' blood. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the power of God's Word. Whatever you bind on earth, I'll bind in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, I'll loose in heaven. So as a believer, when Satan walks on your turf, and he will, and invades your family, your marriage, your finances, your health, you look him straight in the eye, and by the authority given to you as a believer in Christ, you rebuke him out of your home, out of your life. You speak to him. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Come on. The devil's the one who ought to be in the back corner of hell, sucking on a Maalox bottle, totally defeated, because the blood of Jesus is a conquering power that gives us the victory. It's a fight, but we win. Right? Genesis 12, we see God blessing Abraham. Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. And the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. 
Now, there's no doubt God poured a special blessing over this little bitty nation called Israel, and God makes it clear it wasn't because they're better than anybody else. They were just as pagan as anyone, but God just chose them by grace. No other nation on earth then had a revelation of God, and it was through this little nation God revealed Himself to the whole world. And to this day, Orthodox Jewish families bless their children weekly on Friday. They've been doing it for 6,000 years. Ever wonder why the Jewish people prosper so well to be so few in number? They represent 2.7 percent of the population, yet they've won 80 percent of Pulitzer Prizes. Why? Because like no other people or nation, their parents have for generations put their hands on their children and blessed them with the favor of God. And those children have gone out into the world and accomplished what their parents gave them the supernatural power to do. We said the psychologists have made it quite clear that even non-Christian families that affirm and encourage and bless have greater success with their children's productivity in life than those who don't. On the other side, we Gentiles look at our kids and say, you're stupid. Can you see the difference? So God blessed Adam and his wife. Then He blessed Abraham. Then in number six, God told Moses to bless the children of Israel. Then he directed Aaron as high priest to bless them as a nation. And Aaron spoke the blessing of God over the nation of Israel. Then in Matthew 5, Jesus begins his public ministry. The first sermon he preached is on blessing. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the meek. They shall inherit the earth. Blessed, blessed, blessed. Nine principles of blessing. That was not a mistake. It was divinely orchestrated. Jesus would stop in the middle of teaching, pick up children, and bless them. Jesus knew the power of the blessing. We apparently do not. In Mark 10, verse 16, and Jesus took children up in His arms, put His hands on them, and blessed them. Wow. Now, my question is, if Jesus is our example, and He is, and He did it, why don't we do it? Are we smarter? I don't think so. And the last thing Jesus did before leaving earth was to bless His disciples. Luke 24, verse 50, when He had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, He lifted up His hands and He blessed them. While He was blessing them, He left them and was taken up into heaven. Now consider the power of the blessing in spiritual warfare. Proverbs 26, verse 2, like a fluttering sparrow or a darting swallow, an undeserved curse cannot come to rest. Now what that means is, when somebody says something about you, unkind, untrue, vicious, and it's designed to destroy you as a person, to publicly humiliate you, to professionally destroy you. Bless them and curse not. Now, you got to know why or this will seem insane. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. Somebody could tell our political candidates that. <laughs> On the contrary, repay evil with blessing 
because to this you were called so that you might inherit a blessing. And then Romans 12, verse 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. If this is your first time in the series visiting with us, remember cursing is not cussing. Cursing in the Bible is to decree harm, evil, ill will towards somebody. Everybody got that? I know. You know, you hear curse, curse. I heard him cursing. Well, you, you mean cussing. Totally different. Peter, Peter walked with Jesus three and a half years. I hadn't had that privilege. And he still cussed. He's a fisherman. Fishermen pretty much do cuss. Have you ever watched Deadliest Catch? I think if I had that job, I might cuss too. So, man, that, that is one rough job. I've never known a fisherman that uh, was politically correct. <laughs> I'm just trying to be honest with you. So, to curse means to speak evil. He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless them and do not curse. Bless and curse not. God says, bless those who per persecute you. Overcome evil with good. Now, why? Why? Because I don't feel like it, and you don't either. Because when somebody curses you and you bless them, God puts a Teflon shield around you, and that curse, watch the Scripture, like a darting swallow hits that Teflon shield of favor and goes back to the cinder sticking on them. There's a reason for this madness, see? If you start retaliating back at them, there's no shield, and that curse will stick on you like bubblegum in August in San Antonio. It ain't coming off. And roots of bitterness will grow in your mind, in your mouth, and your life will become miserable because you can't get rid of it. But the moment somebody curses you, the smartest thing you can do when you don't feel like it, is bless them in the name of the Lord. And instantly, God erects that shield around you, and it hits that, that shield, and then zip. As Elvis sang, return to cinder. Boom. It goes right back, C-O-D, and it never touches you. So I don't care what they said about you. Bless them, because it's for your benefit, not theirs. All right? And you gotta, you got to get your will into this because you, you won't feel like it. You want to—listen, I'm a passionate man. I'm reactionary. I, I mean, you hit me, I want to hit you back twice. I, well, I mean, we're just talking. I, I'm not going to say, well, wait, let me turn the other cheek. That one's really hard. I'm thought, if you didn't take me out on the first one, you ain't getting a second one. Anybody remember the show Bonanza, Hoss Cartwright? Y'all remember that little joke? No. no, my wife said, no, I bet you do. How many of you remember Bonanza? Thank you. See, honey. Let the clerk record the vote. Okay. <laughs> little Joe's always getting in trouble. He's in the saloon. A couple of bad guys are kind of picking on him. Little Joe is in a real bad spot. And big old Hoss Cartwright walks through the door, boom, opens the door, walks over to these guys, and then he uh, tries to shut them down. And so one of the smart mouth bad guys uh, rears back, and, and old Hoss just stands there, and he just hits him as hard as he can right in the face. And old Hoss just stands there looking at him. And I'll never forget it. It's been, I don't know, 30 years ago. I still remember. And the bad guy said, look, 
If that didn't hurt you, there ain't no need for us to fight. <laughs> and then Hoss took him out, all right? He, Hoss thought, yeah, I'm going to do something. So it's for your benefit, not theirs. theirs. Consider the power and permanence of the blessing. Once the blessing has been spoken into existence, it cannot be broken by men. Nobody can steal your blessing once it's been placed in your life by spiritual authority. When people get jealous of the good things God's doing for you, they can't take it away because God gave it. In Genesis 28, in our first lesson, we saw how Jacob deceived his father Isaac into giving him his brother Esau's blessing. And even when Israel, Jacob, discovered he had blessed Jacob, not Esau, he refused to rescind it. That means what you say, Father, over your children becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. What you speak into the life of your children will happen. Back to Matthew 5, verse 13. Jesus is talking to His disciples. He said, you're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. When Jesus told His disciples, you're the light of the world and the salt of the earth, can I remind you, nothing could be further from the truth when He spoke it. Peter would curse, cuss, and deny Jesus three times. Thomas was running around sucking his thumb, filled with doubt. I won't believe, I won't believe unless I touch, unless I see, right? I mean, these guys are, are incredible. They all ran away. But Jesus spoke these words of blessing anyway. And in time, they became light and salt in their world, because what Jesus spoke into their spirit ultimately became a reality. He shaped their future, not by what they were, but what He said they would be. And that's what we have to do with our children. When we bless them, I've said, great is the peace of my children, for they are taught of the Lord. My children, the seed of the righteous, shall inherit the earth. They shall be mighty in the land. It sure don't look like it now. They shall be mighty in the land. Wealth and riches, not unemployment, shall be in their house. They shall possess the gates of their enemy. I do that every day, whether driving a car or getting up in the morning in some part of the world, blessing those children. And sometimes it's in spite of what I saw, right? And that's true for your husband or your wife or, or your business. You've got to say what God says about them to shape that future. And where they are at the moment is going to contradict what God says He'll do. So I just keep decreeing what He said He would do over them. And then if they're really off course, Lord, Acts 28, I think it's verse 13, turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they might receive forgiveness of sin and inheritance among those sanctified by faith in Jesus. My prayers will go on for that child long after I leave the earth. And at some point, you can run, but you can't hide, because I'm speaking as a spiritual authority, and I'm telling you, God's going to nail you. He's going to turn that heart. I don't care what the crisis is or what the problem is or how many years go by. You're going to know Him. I'm going to bless you in the name of the Lord, and it will come to pass. That's powerful, powerful. Wives, instead of talking about what your husband's not and what he ought to do, when he's not there, you bless him. You bless him. When you, t you just keep saying about him what, what Scripture says he should be, you declare that over him. You can shape his future, too. 
I, I probably won't know till heaven what my wife has said about me <laughs> when I'm not there. But I'm sure if there's any redeemable thing in me, it, it probably goes back to a lot of prayers by her and probably others, and, and help him Jesus. Help him Jesus. <laughs> and I'll take it. That means, Dad, you can look at your child and speak into their potential things that are not natural, but in the supernatural, they can be accomplished. You have the power to shape the lives and destinies of your children. So God says, bless and affirm your child. Bless your child in the name of the Lord. Shape their destiny by the power of the blessing of heaven that you speak into their lives. Now last, consider the power of the blessing at Calvary. Paul says in Galatians 3, verse 13 and 14, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having been made a curse for us, that the blessings of Abraham may come on us through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. At the cross, Jesus Christ took my death. I received life everlasting. At the cross, I received health and healing. Jesus Christ received 39 stripes from a Roman whip on his back, and by his stripes, I am healed. At the cross, I received mercy. Jesus Christ received the judgment and wrath of God. At the cross, I received forgiveness for all my sin. Jesus Christ was given a crown of thorns and judged for my sin. At the cross, I received adoption into the family of God. Jesus Christ then received the rejection of the Father, crying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That means, folks, we can look back at the cross and rejoice with great joy because of the cross we get the blessings of Abraham. Listen to Galatians 3, verse 29. And now that you belong to Christ Jesus, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and now all the promises God gave to him belong to you. That, when I be, listen, I have no racial connection to Abraham at all in my hemoglobin. But spiritually, when I accepted Jesus, God imputes to me sonship. I'm an heir, a son of Abraham, a true son. Flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. I had to be born again, and now I'm a son of Abraham, and I'm an heir. Of, you know, if your daddy was really rich and he died, how many of you would make sure you were at the reading of the will? <laughs> and you better pay attention to this. What's God, what's God got for Abraham? Well, if you read Genesis 12, you're going to have a whoopee day. I don't have time to read all that, but remember, God says, I'll give you promotion, elevation. I'll give you possession, ownership. I'm going to give you dominion over your adversaries. You will possess the gates of your enemies. And whoever blesses you, I will bless. Whoever curses you, feel sorry for them, because it's going to go on their lives terrible. Boy, in 30-something years, I've seen that happen to people, and I don't care what church you go to or who you go to, somebody's always going to slander somebody. But when God is blessing somebody and God's put favor of somebody, you better bless what God blesses or you are in deep yogurt. I'm serious. That's a, God says, whoever curses you, stand back. I'll take care of it. I'm going to curse them. You don't have to retaliate. But if you've never read Genesis 12, look at what God says. And I read one more time, because some of you are a little hard-headed. 
And now that you belong to Christ, if you're a believer, you are the true children of Abraham. You are His heirs. And now all the promises God gave to him belong to you. Look what God said to Abraham, his descendants. That means now in the New Testament, race is not an issue. Faith in Jesus is the issue. And now all of us in Christ become heirs of all of Abraham's blessing. So the moment I come into the family of God, I am blessed and highly favored, and no enemy can ever reverse that. And my nationality, my race has no bearing whatever, whether I was conceived in an adulterous affair or without a marriage of parents, makes no difference. I am blessed and highly favored by God Almighty, and no enemy can ever reverse that. God said to Abraham, whoever blesses you, I will bless. Whoever curses you, I will curse. That's why you don't have to get vengeance or revenge. God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. It is perfectly right to seek justice, but not revenge. God says, as a believer, that's off your table. I'll take care of it for you. How I many of you think God can do a better job than you? Boy, when God wants to get you, He can get you. God says, you bless them. I will see that vengeance is mine. I will repay. See, even on a bad day, you can't lose, but you need to know it and believe it. For more information on Summit Christian Center and Rick Godwin, visit SummitSA.com and connect with us on social media.